0: There's a community Good Friday service and it's at Trinity Lutheran at, at noon on, on Friday and I'd encourage you to come out as we celebrate the cross. In, in our tradition, it seems like in the churches I've been in, we, we don't often have Good Friday services for whatever reason. It seems like sometimes we just pass from Palm Sunday to Easter and and we forget all of the events of Easter and what Jesus had to endure. Uh, but it all fits together. and. Uh, as we consider Easter, we, we can't get to Easter unless we go through the cross, and uh, it's through the cross that we find resurrection and life, and, and it tells us how much Jesus cares for us, how much God cares for us, and uh, all of us have come into this place with things that we're carrying, things that we're going through, and difficulties, concerns, and and, and this week reminds us of how important we are to God, and what God has done ...for us that we could not do for ourselves, It's through the cross, folks, that we find life. It's through the cross that we find resurrection. Uh, and, and all these issues that we deal with in our life, these relational issues, uh, financial issues, emotional issues, uh, sin issues in our life... ...these things that we're dealing with in our life, there is victory through the cross of Christ... And so sometimes it's just a matter of giving up and dying to self and, and dying to self in the midst of the relationship. You ever have to do that? You ever have to just say, um, give someone forgiveness even though you don't want to? And this isn't my sermon today, I'm sorry, I've got like two hours sermon after this. But, but it's important enough that we stop and just consider what Jesus did on the cross. And he invites us to join him and to bear our own cross in the midst of life. And in the midst of bearing our own cross, folks, we can find resurrection and life like we'll know not know otherwise. And so I just want to encourage you, I you know, this morning I, I'm bearing something that, that's fairly significant and fairly heavy on, on on my heart and my mind as as I prepare this message. And, and I want you to know, even before I get into this message, how much I appreciate you folks. You are good people. I am blessed to be your pastor. I am. And, and, and as I as I consider all that, that, that I'm thinking about and I know you're thinking about, I have hope this morning, not because I'm so smart, not because I can get things done, and not because my life's always together to the extent it needs to be get, together, but I have hope in Jesus Christ who came and suffered and died on my behalf so that I could have life. Man, I got to stop right there. That's the most amens I've ever gotten here. Imagine Jesus lived in Marysville in 2016. Okay, can you do that? How would Jesus live? If Jesus was present, and we we believe he's present, Jesus is alive, but if Jesus was physically present in Union County, in Marysville, how would he live? Who would he associate with? How would he spend his time and his energy? What, what would his priorities be? If Jesus was physically present in your neighborhood, what would be some of the things, just imagine, what would be some of the things that he would be doing in your neighborhood, in your family? I want... And I think we can do more than one thing at once, right? I knew a guy that every time he sat in a church service, he had a screwdriver and he used to take the envelope holder off the back of the chair during the sermon. That's, you know, that's how he occupied himself. I knew a guy at, at Tri-County um, and, and he memorized the hymnal from front to back. And so you could say a number, and he knew the song. You could say a song, and he knew the number, okay? So there's also, I, I realize, I, I sit every once in a while out and listen to somebody preach. There's a lot of things you're doing other than listening to me as I preach. And so while I'm preaching this morning, I want that to kind of run through your mind. I want you just to be thinking about that. If Jesus was physically present present in Marysville, Ohio, in 2016, how would he live? Let that run through your mind as we go through this sermon this morning. We're, we're, we're finishing up our series on baptism called Marked, and, and I hope if you've not been baptized... that that you'll join us on Easter and there's a sign-up sheet. Maybe you just want to affirm or confirm your your baptism. Maybe you were baptized a long time ago and and you just want to take the opportunity to affirm that baptism next week. Uh, Actually, I'm going to do that in the second service. And so if you'd like to do that, there's a sign-up sheet for that as well. See me in the the well after this service and we'll talk a little bit about the, the logistics of all that we're doing. Uh, but I encourage you to, to do that. We, we've been talking about the meanings of baptism, and and, and Nancy did an awesome job. Don't, don't you like our, our thumbprint, our fingerprint cross up here? Our identity is found in Christ. And and then on my my left and your right, we, we have the water running to remind us of how thirsty we are and all those things. But the, uh, I, I love the images that we have here for, for this series. And, and we've talked about how uh, in, in baptism, we are dying the death of Christ. In other words, uh, we're, we're being buried with Christ. In baptism, we are living the life of Christ, and we're being sustained by Jesus Christ. And when we're baptized, we're, we're given testimony to this inner work within us. It, it's an outward sign of an inward work that we're dying the death of Christ, that we're living the life of Christ, and we're receiving the spirit of Christ. All of those things we've talked about they, we're, were marked by baptism. And this morning, we're going to conclude the series with this. In baptism we are becoming the body of christ the body of christ what, what does that mean yeah you know, we we use that kind of that's real churchy language right <laughs> you know we, we are the body of christ and it's it, it's it's language that we use but but what does that really mean now we've been tracking the meaning of this of baptism what what it, the significance is through some older stories. And, and we've been using particularly the creation story, and you know the story. Uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, God created the heavens and the earth. And, you know, in, in, in Genesis 1, it's God speaking. In Genesis 2, it, it becomes more personal as, as God begins to form man with his hand and breathe the breath of life into him. And, and in, in Genesis, we're created. There's, there's water, and, and from the water creation, life springs. And we have in Genesis 1.28, God blessed them. This is after humankind, Adam and Eve have been created. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in other words, God formed life out of the water. Life began out of the water and immediately God commissioned what he had created with a task, humankind is created to accomplish the mission of God. If you want to know why you're here, you are here primarily. At your essence, you are here to do the will of God. I am here to do the will of him who sent me. That's what Jesus said. And so humankind is created, and, and we are given a mission. We are given a task to subdue the earth. And we know the rest of the story. There's, there's the fall and all the chaos of life. And then we have the, the children of Israel. That are, that, you know, God says, I'm going to bless Abraham, and I'm going to make Abraham a blessing. And, and, and your, your seed, your, your family is going to be this great nation, and, and they end up in slavery. In Egypt. And we've been tracking that story to understand the significance of baptism. And they're, they're in Egypt, and, and God takes them out uh, by, through death, through, through the Passover lamb. God takes them out into the wilderness, and God sustains them with manna. He feeds them. They live the life of, of God through manna. And then He gives them the law. In other words, He infuses them with a way of living. And then after that, he takes them to the, to the Jordan River, and, and, and we have another crossing, <laughs> two crossings. There's the Red Sea, and there's the Jordan. The Red Sea, God lets them pass through on dry ground. They, they don't have to get their feet wet. But to get to the promised land, they have to get their feet wet first, and they step into the water, and the water parts. And, and, and the people of Israel cross over the Jordan River into the promised land to become the people of God, to seize the mission that he had for them. Israel is to be God's people among the nations. Now, when we use that language, I I think it can be a little bit confusing because I don't believe God is saying in Israel, you are better than other people or or I love you more than other people necessarily. But, But God is setting them apart so that through them, All humankind, and aren't you thankful for that this morning, all humankind can be reconciled to their Heavenly Father. God has set them apart for a mission, and their mission is reconciliation and blessing. And we participate, and we are the beneficiaries of this mission of reconciliation that God impressed, that God gave to the people of Israel. So so those are the first two stories that we've been tracking. We've been tracking the creation story, and then we've been tracking uh, the Exodus story, and and as the people of Israel have moved from slavery into being the people of God that they were intended to be in the promised land, in Israel. And then we've been looking at the story of Jesus. See, all these stories are connected. Isn't it strange? God connects all these things together, but he does. It's it's all related. And and Jesus, Jesus moves... From baptism, like the people of Israel moved from slavery to accomplishing God's purpose. Jesus comes out from the water, and and we see when Jesus comes up from the water, what the the Spirit of God descends upon him as a sign of God's favor, as a sign of God's approval, as an indication that God was going to move, particularly through this man-God, Jesus... This perfect man, this one without sin, God was going to move in a significant way through the life of Jesus Christ. And testimony is given to that by the Holy Spirit descended upon him after baptism. Je- Jesus moves from baptism to, to the wilderness where he is tempted. <laughs> Jesus is in the wilderness and, 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 and Satan is tempting tempting Jesus. And Jesus says, man does not live by Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am sustained by the word of God. God gives me life. I, I, I am being raised to life by God. In your living today, and maybe this doesn't make any sense to you right now, but 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 I'm just impressed by the fact that as you're living, you are being raised to life, even right now by God. God just continually raises us to life through the power of Jesus Christ. You are breathing at the privilege or at the blessing of your heavenly Father, and so Jesus says, "I'm sustained by God." And, and then in, in Matthew four twelve through seventeen, it, it talks about Jesus and he, he moves. By the way of the sea. So, so from the water, Jesus begins his ministry. And his ministry is pretty simple. From Jesus' perspective, you know, he, he doesn't have a laundry list. He doesn't have you know, a, a task list. But, but he has one task at the top of his list. You know what the, the top of his list is? I'm here to do the will of him who sent me. Say that with me. I'm here to do the will of him who sent me. That's it. I'm afraid I'm going to preach myself out of a job right now. It's simple. Find God's will and do it. That's it. Okay, go home. No, I I better finish. Jesus was sent to do the will of him who sent him. And that was it. Now, he gave some, some descriptions of this in Luke 4, 18 through 19, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. <laughs> That's Jesus' mission. Jesus came to accomplish God's mission of reconciliation. That's why I came. I have come to do the will of him who sent me. God is willing that none would be lost, but all would come to salvation. And so God is willing to pay any price, even sending his own son, so that you can come to a place of reconciliation and wholeness with your heavenly Father. And Jesus says, Not my will but your will. Whatever I need to do, I'll do because I have come to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus has come to accomplish God's mission of reconciliation. And so we find from the water, this is what's emerging. From the water, humankind has been given the task of doing God's will, God's mission on this earth. In creation, we were tasked with doing God's will. In the Exodus account, the people of Israel were tasked with doing, being the people of God in the promised land, fulfilling his mission of reconciliation, to be his, his holy people, his holy nation. And Jesus has continued. And through baptism, he is sent to do the will of him who sent me. And it's the same for us. See, in baptism, we become the body of Christ. The body of Christ doing the will of our Father. Now Galatians says it like this. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham descendants, heirs according to the promise. In this passage, we have all of these things happening. We, we are clothed with Jesus Christ. We, we become the body of Christ, and we are tasked with the mission of Jesus Christ. In baptism, we are becoming the body of Christ. So, what's that mean? What affects how we live, right? And I'm just going to tell you this, this morning, and I don't see Harold out there. He's probably, oh, there he is in the back. I have been corrupted by Harold Green and Bob Flint. I have. Uh, They corrupted me with the boys' high school state basketball championships this weekend. And so Thursday and Friday and Saturday, I had been at basketball games all day long. And they were awesome, weren't they, Harold? They corrupted me. And uh, as I sat in that stadium, you know, Spencer and I was there. It was an amazing thing. I could care less who won because none of these teams had any connection to me, right? And so it just depended on my mood at the moment, which team I was rooting for. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great shot. You know, I kind of went with the wind. (laughs) You know, the the last game, last night, Harold, I was cheering for both teams. I I don't even know if I'm happy or sad that I won or lost. (laughs) If every once in a while I was sitting there, I'd think, man, it would be neat to be one of those people that had a rooting interest in this. Right? That that you were experiencing the euphoria of winning a state championship. But I think even more than that, what if you were one of those guys on the bench? There's a guy that got in in on the Division one game in the semifinal. I don't know, Harold, if you were still in there what he did. That they had the game one, Westerville South had the game one. I think it was Westerville South or Lyman, one of them. And they had the game one, so they sent one of these guys from deep on the bench. <laughs> and this guy got on the floor for like a second. And I think he was a senior, he hadn't played the whole game. And the whole time he was on the floor, he was going. <laughs> and I think the coach was afraid he was gonna hurt somebody, so he took him out. <laughs> See, this is an invitation to not be a fan, to not be on the bench, to be in the game. God has called us to participate in his redemptive mission in this world, to not just watch. We're good at watching, aren't we? (laughs) It's a lot easier to watch than participate, but God has called us Participate. And as the body of Christ, we are called to accomplish God's mission of reconciliation. I believe the language of Jesus is significant to us in that Jesus went where? To those who were marginalized first because they were the most receptive to the message. Let's go back to our question. Imagine Jesus lived in Marysville in 2016. How would Jesus live? I'm going to give you the punchline right now. Jesus is living in Marysville in 2016, and he's living through you. How would Jesus live? Now, now, there's things, I think, when you, when you think about the mission of Jesus that I, I think are important to understand. The first thing is this. The mission is People. Not ministries, not buildings, not, not organizations, not, not financial bank accounts. The mission is people. People are the priority. People are all that matter. We're not governed by agendas, but people. And, and you see this. Through the life of, minister, of of Jesus. You know, read the gospel accounts, and it's amazing. Oftentimes, it feels like they're trying to just push Jesus through people, and yet he's, he's one of those guys that just won't be pushed through people. And so you find him sitting by, and, and this is a story I talk about often because I think it's so significant, <laughs> And it's so telling. You find Jesus sitting by a well in Samaria talking to somebody he shouldn't talk to, somebody he shouldn't care about. Jesus did. So much so that it confuses the disciples. What we see, Jesus interacting with Nicodemus at night. (laughs) It's like Bob, shouldn't he be saying, that's my day off, okay? I'm off right now. You know, clocks, you know, I'm punched out, leave me alone. But here's Jesus, he's taught all day and Nicodemus is coming at night because Nicodemus, I believe, is too proud to be seen during the day. People matter. People matter. Are the mission. That we we are called not to to build a huge structure. We are not called to to raise a bunch of money. We we are not called just to, to, to form a great organization. All these things can be helpful in the mission, but the mission is people bringing people into relationship with Jesus Christ. The mission is primary, it's all that matters. Aren't you glad that God allows you to experience good gifts in your life? Aren't you? And and, and this 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 is the wonder of our God. The mission can be primary while you're enjoying life and family and friends. It can be. I don't believe that somehow to say the mission is primary, that it, it, that it somehow sucks all joy out of life. It gives value to life, and it gives value to relationships. And in the midst of all of this, even keeping the mission primary, we can love and be loved by people. We can work and enjoy work, can't we? And we can be living life and enjoying life with a recognition that, that even in this moment of life, the mission is primary and not my will, but God's will. You know, I said, at a, I said at a silly basketball game. I'm going to stop saying stupid because that's stupid to say that, okay? <laughs> I said at a silly basketball game with Spencer yesterday. And, you know, I, I just believe in that. In in that relationship moment, our father and son time, Spencer, (laughs) that the mission was still primary. That that even in the midst of that, I could be living and moving in a way that gave honor to my Heavenly Father. (laughs) And that was by not throwing anything at the referees. (laughs) And I never throw anything at the referees, do I, Todd? You sat with me. I I am well-behaved at games, Right. I'll give you your $10 later. <laughs> the mission is organic. And, and, and I, I really wondered what word to use here because that, maybe it, that sounds odd to say it in that way, but, but, but when I'm saying that, what, when Jesus uses parables to talk about the kingdom, what, what kind of imagery does he use? Jesus says, you know, the kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like the wind. You know, the kingdom of God is like a, a farmer. You know, when he's talking to the disciples at the end of his ministry, when he's going to be crucified, he's saying, you know, you're a vine and I'm you're a branch and I'm the vine. He uses all these natural references. And so I believe the kingdom of God is a natural thing. We don't have to. You ever have a salesperson come to you, and they go through all that thing, and they create that need that you need something, and you buy something, and then they leave, and then you realize, I don't need that anymore? <laughs> this isn't something, when we talk about the kingdom, and we talk about this mission of God, this, this isn't something that we have to build up and convince and, and show and demonstrate and prove, This need for reconciliation between us and God and us and each other is a need. It's the human condition of those who are without relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's a natural thing. It's not something we're having to manufacture. You may have to help someone become aware of their need, but the need is there. And the kingdom is this organic, natural move of God. And when you think of the church, I, I, see, I, I, organization is necessary to further the movement. The movement is primary, not the organization. And, and I want you to know that, that, that God is never contained with an organization. When, when the organization begins to fail, God just moves on because the movement of God is primary. If the structure of this place becomes primary to the movement of God, then God will move through other means. (laughs) Do you believe that this morning? That means when, when our traditions become more important than the move of God, we're missing the whole point. And there's a lot of organizations that are guided by traditions and what used to be, and God's just moved out of the building. And so that's the significance. When we talk about Plant the Gospel 2016, I I believe that the move of God through our church is natural, that, that, that God is infusing you he's giving you uh, opportunities that God is at work that God is the God who is one step ahead in other words when we leave this building we're we're not going to take God to the world God is already at work in the world and what he's allowing us to do is to participate to see what he's doing and move with him some people call it the dance of God (laughs) I kind of like that that God's out dancing in the world and he's just allowing us, by his grace and mercy, to participate in this musical number that he's performing. <laughs> so we're encouraging you, plant the gospel. F- find, find a ministry associated with this church or not associated with this church, but find a place to serve, to give, to love. See Mary sitting there and yeah, that's what I like about our quilters. And, and, you know, it just fits me. I'm such a sewing person. You know, that's my gift, that our church would have this significant quilting ministry. But it's natural, and it's organic, and it's where people are. And in the midst, I came in, and, and I was going to walk through the building Thursday, and I was just my normal loud self, and I come strolling through, and they're in the middle of this room praying. natural not forced you know i don't think you twist anybody's arm to come and quilt do you and and when they're here if they want to participate in in the prayer time in the ministry time they do if they want to sit in the corner and just watch you but guess what whether they participate or they sit in the corner you love them just the same don't you it's organic it's natural it's not forced finally the mission's meant to grow I am unapologetic about this. I believe this church should grow because I believe God is calling us to reach men and women with the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, go and make disciples. This is good news. This is the greatest thing on earth. (laughs) Go and share it. Give it to other people because it's good. Go and make disciples Where, wherever they are on the process. Maybe they've not accepted Jesus, but you're just investing in them. Maybe, maybe they're further along, but invest in other people because the mission is people. There's this uh, old story in the book of Ezekiel. We don't, I don't know if I've ever preached out of the book of Ezekiel. And uh, if you read the book of Ezekiel, and you'll see why it's kind of a hard book to preach out of. A lot of imagery in the book. But there's a story in Ezekiel 47, and and the prophet's taken to the to see, and he's, he's by vision seeing the temple. And in the temple, there's there's a <laughs> there's a, a water leak under the door. Boy, don't you hate those water leaks, right? It's a small leak, it's a small leak, and then it's up to his, to his upper legs, and, and then it's a river. And on this river, there's trees, and you know, it's just life all over this river. And the, and the message is this, that, that what I am doing may be a small trickle, but it's going to become a mighty river. And so we stop and we consider what God has done through a few in an upper room, and we see the mighty river of God At work in our world. Our world is not perfect, but our God is at work in our world. And we're part of that. And and God calls us to be an influence. Let me ask you is your influence growing (laughs) from, from week to week, from month to month? The mission of God is accomplished as individuals living as the body of Christ love others. It's that simple. Now, And I know we're the church, and, and it's the church, at, and moving, we think of the body of Christ. Typically, we think of the church, and, and that's true, that, that we do this together, but but we do this also as individuals. And the body of Christ does nothing unless the individual body people in this body are about God's business. We understand that? I I love to share about this church. There there are so many people in this church. And I got to tell you, I'll I'll just be honest. It's easy every time you get to a point of a sermon to to, to use Gene McBride as the example, right? (laughs) But there's so many in this church that are serving in so many significant ways. I I, I think of Sharon Carcone. Yeah, look at her. She's going, Me? You know how many times I go and visit somebody and I'm praying with them and talking to them and and they'll say something, oh yeah, Sharon was over. (laughs) See, Sharon takes it seriously. It's the love of Christ expressed. It's the body of Christ. It's what Jesus would do. And because she does what Jesus would do, it is the body of Christ at work in our world, loving people that many have forgotten. Sharon hasn't forgotten them. I tell you, Gene McBride's sidekick, Bob Bob Breaks back here. Look at Bob. I tell you what. I I wish my beard was as cool looking as yours, Bob. Gene couldn't do what Gene does without Bob, but then I watched Bob with these kids in individual settings outside uh, the church. I, I was at a baseball game with him last year. I tell you what, he spent more money on those kids than, than a year's salary. He was handing out $20 bills. I think people were just lined up that weren't even with him because he was handing them out so quick. You know, people like that show us what it means to be the body of Christ, to love like Jesus loves One final question. If Jesus was living through you, how did Jesus live in Union County last week? Let's let's forget Bob Brake and Sharon Carcone. Let's let's forget Uh, anybody else. It's just me. And Jesus, the only person that Jesus was active through was me. How did the body of Christ do? Here's the good news. Most of us probably can think of times last week where maybe Jesus could have been more active. Amen? Amen? Here's the good news about our God. He's the God of last week, he's the God of today, and he's the God of next week. (laughs) And so, right now, God is speaking to you with an opportunity to use today and use next week in a different way. So, what about next week? Can, can he use you? Are you open? Are you willing? Stand with me, if you will. We're close with prayer, and um, I love you, folks. I do, and uh, I believe in this church. God is at work in this church, and um, we're not perfect, amen? <laughs> and there's no church that is. I, my mom always told me, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you're not perfect. <laughs> that's that's the kind of encouragement you need from a mother, right? <laughs> but it's true. No church is perfect. No pastor is perfect. You know, I, I look at myself, at, and, and I'm not I'm not qualified to be a pastor. It's God that qualifies me. It's God that equips me. It's God that gives me the opportunity. It's, not, it's God didn't say, okay, here's the best speaker, or here's the smartest guy, or anything like that. God just uses me, and I allow him to use me because he's called me to this role. But he's called you to a role as well. And, and, and I've always heard God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it doesn't call the equip, but he equips the call as well. And so this week, God has a, a plan. He has a place. He has a way that you can plant the gospel, that, that you could be the body of Christ. And maybe as you're standing here, it just seems overwhelming. Trust him. Listen to him. And as he gives you opportunity, love, serve, and go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for what this week means. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you give us to participate as the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us as we consider these things to um, allow your spirit to move fresh in our lives. That that we'll not be content with um, yesterday's work, Lord, but we'll be uh, encouraged about what we can do today and tomorrow. And, Lord, we'll forever give you praise because you're worthy of praise in Jesus' name.